Welcome to the limited series of On Air. Our podcast brings together FemPod professionals, mentors, and supporters for a conversation about career topics. We want to discuss different perspectives and see what we can learn from each other. Today, we'll talk about parental leave. What does parental leave look like in different countries? What is the optimal model and what can companies do to make it easier for parents to return to their jobs? In this episode, we sat down with experienced leaders Renata Mrazová and Evgeny Jakulic to hear their views on this heavily debated topic, including the ultimate question, do you have to choose between career or children, or is it possible to have it all? Renata is an experienced business leader whose professional experience spans decades. After graduating from university, she began her professional career in the finance division of Swedish pharmaceutical firm Astra, later becoming finance director and coordinating a merger with the British firm Zeneca. Since then, she has served in CEO and CFO roles, worked as an external consultant, and devoted time to her family in between. After four years spent in the Netherlands serving as global head of HR of NN Group, overseeing 18 countries, she returned back to the Czech Republic. On returning to her home country, she joined Home Credit International as Group Chief People Officer. Renata is married and a proud mother of two daughters. Evgeny is an experienced professional and leader in strategy management consulting and people development. He started his career in HR in 2005, shifting to strategy management consulting four years later. Evgeny spent 11 years with BCG in Russia and Switzerland, having completed above 60 projects in 25-plus markets, focusing mainly on consumer goods, banking, telecoms and public sector and social impact. For Evgeny, it was a very exciting but very demanding time with up to 130 flights a year, long working hours and unpredictable schedules. Evgeny took a parental leave when his son was born just before the pandemic and quit BCG in the middle of the first lockdown. After some months of independent advisory, he got back to strategy consulting as a partner at EY Parthenon in Switzerland. Here we go. We are here today to talk about parental leave and I'm so happy to have you two on board. Hello to Clara and hello Evgeny. Good to be here. Hi, Clara. Hi, Renata. My pleasure. Today we met here to talk about parental leave. It's a broad topic and I prepared a few themes that I'd like to open with you. Uh, Some of them might be controversial, so don't be worried to share uh, your honest opinion on them. I will kick off the discussion by asking you, what do you think about parental leave in your country where you're based right now? And I know that you're both international leaders, you both lived and worked in different countries. So maybe can you also compare uh, your experience and in, in what country do you think uh, the conditions for, for parental leave are good? And I'll start with Renata. Great, thank you. I think amazing question. So I am ba- I'm Czech and I'm based uh, currently in Prague. So I will talk about my views, how it is established uh, in Czech Republic, but I was also living for almost five years in the Netherlands, which is completely different setup. So I think it will be very interesting to share uh, some of the uh, views, uh, you know, about the system there. So in Czech Republic, uh, I think that actually Czech Republic is one of the countries which has uh, the longest uh, uh, paternity leave. is between three and four years. And uh, my view is that, uh, uh, and and it is very used by most of the mothers. Uh, I think we are still very behind uh, fathers uh, to step up and to to take it. My view is that this is uh, too long and this is negatively uh, influencing a kind of uh, adaptivity and return of the parents uh, uh, on the labor market. Uh, Because we know uh, in which working environment we are currently living, uh, it's very fast, it's very dynamic, it's very changing. uh, And I think to stay uh, full-time out of, uh, uh, you know, labor market for three, four years, it's a very complex uh, process to return and really to adjust. So uh, my preference is uh, more the system uh, which is established in the Netherlands, which is more flexible. Uh, 
uh, and there actually uh, it's very well established that um, if I remember, more than 70% of uh, mothers uh, are working or part-time job. So they are not returning to full-time, but they can select a number of hours uh, per week, which they want to spend at work. And they might come back after three months, six months, nine months, and 12 months. So it offers, you know, different setup, you know, different combinations. And I think it's much better respects uh, that each person is different uh, and for each person works something different. Uh, but it's also common that some uh, uh, mothers, they stay longer home uh, and it's also possible. But the system, how it is established within companies, uh, uh, it, it gives more uh, choices. Uh, and it also creates, uh, I would say, less biases you know, on uh, different solutions. Uh, so what I view in Czech Republic, and of course it's improving, uh, um, many mothers who made a choice to return to work environment earlier than those three, four years, uh, there is a lot of judgment, you know, that they are not good mothers and, uh, you know, how actually the, the care of, uh, of children is uh, arranged. Uh, so the system in Netherlands, I like much better because it respects the individuality and it provides uh, much, much more choices. Thank you. Evgeny, what's your point of view on that? Yeah, I'm coming from Belarus. I lived in Russia for a long time. So um, that's one end of the spectrum, which is very similar to uh, Czech Republic, which is a legacy of the Soviet uh, times right with all goods and bads of it and now i'm based in switzerland which i think it's the other extreme not as the us right but but still probably the other extreme in europe and um uh let me let me talk a bit about those systems so the, the solid system very similar like what you have in czech republic is, is is still in russia right so legally you can take um i think a couple months with a when they keep your salary right and your position then you can take up to one year uh, where the state pays you some uh, um, child benefits. And of course they keep your position. And between, uh, and then for two more years, uh, you can stay on the paternity leave uh, without any payment neither from the government, except for those small uh, kind of uh, contributions that um, are for every child. And then, uh, but they have to keep your position in the company. So. When I was an HR manager in Russia, like uh, 15 years ago, we had probably 80% of our employees were female. And we had like avalanches of uh, pregnancies, uh, you know, just waves. And you take uh, uh, somebody leaves on, on maternity leave and tells, I'm going to come back in a year from now and then returning just in three months. Others would say, no, I'm going to come back in four months and then staying for three years. So uh, I, I think people never realize what they actually means to have a child before they have a child, even if they had the first child, right, for the second one. So that was creating a lot of, as, as an employer, a lot of uncertainty to me, right? But I haven't felt that pressure, oh, you stayed just one year, you stayed just four months, etc. No, I haven't seen that. Maybe because I wasn't the mother, right? But, but I was dealing with those topics on a daily basis, and I haven't seen that. Uh, I think that generally people tend to take less and less those three years out of the market. So it's, it's probably mostly, I mean, financial is not sustainable for the family. So it's, it's mostly they take up to a year, right? So three months for sure. And then up to a year, because uh, then you still have some state support. And uh, I mean, if you take it not in the beginning of your career, but some in the middle of it, I mean, like after five, 17 years, you probably want to take a break as well. <laughs> so, and then you're not harmed much right because if you take one year out when you're at the beginning of your career that's a bit harmful for you to come back if it's after six seven years it doesn't really matter that much right so i think that's 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 okay um what i didn't like there was that it's not the legal framework because legally any of the parents can take the parental leave but the uh 99.9 is just women who take it right which i think is a horrible horrible idea right? That only mothers have to take it. 
If I look at the other extreme in Switzerland, it's just uh, three, four months. Uh, sometimes companies uh, extend it. So they have additional benefits so you can stay beyond that. Uh, but it's only one parent who can take it. Guess who takes it? Of course, the mother in the first three months of the, of the life of the child. So when I was working in, in my past company, they were introducing this for fathers as well. So paid additional uh, paternity leave, right, for fathers. Uh, and usually uh, fathers would either take it in the very beginning or when mothers are returning to work so that they kind of take next uh, three, four months of the life of a child. Um, I think this is not enough, this is too short. What creates, what this creates in Switzerland is complete disenfranchisement of women on the labor market in my opinion. Why? Because the number of spaces in the crashes where you can put your child after four months is limited, mm. right? Not everyone can afford the babysitter, it's, it's very expensive. So and not everyone is, is, is happy to bring their child back to the uh, crash at four months old. I mean, everyone who has a child just four months old, they, they're too fragile, right? This is, this, is, this is just so heartbreaking to bring in there. So the legislation pushes women to stay out of job for way longer than three years, eventually, because what they push them to do is after those four months, they have to go for part-time jobs, quite a lot of them. And as a part-time jobber, sometimes it hurts your career even more than if you're out for one year of the, of the, of the job market, right? Because what happens is that you stick with this part-time job, so you're not considered for some positions. And like, if you stay in the company, it's difficult to move back to the full-time job for various reasons, et cetera. Or if you go to the market, the part-time jobs are often, uh, way lower qualification that you have, or it's just a freelancer. So you work for yourself, et cetera, et cetera. So I find the system here completely unfriendly to, to, to kind of to children and, and motherhood and parentalhood. If I, if I speak about what I think is the most balanced system, it's, it's in the Nordics where they have uh, one year of total time, I think, or a year and a half, it depends on the country, I think. And then, 50% should be taken by mother, 50% should be taken by a father or a second parent, it's a, it's a gay couple. And um, there they, that, that, that drives equality. And I think if you wanna solve this problem, I think this is the way to go. That's number one, my conclusion. And number two, it's that uh, if the state doesn't change then the company can, companies like big corporations can push this by giving more paternity leave to the fathers because that's what enables mothers to get back to the workspace. So you partially uh, mentioned, Evgeny, what the optimal length of parental leave would be for you. I hear it's about a year. I, I would say a year because on the one hand, at one year old, a one year old is capable of doing basic things. They're usually walking. They, they, they say basic things. They can eat already. So you kind of feel safe. You can live with a babysitter or with a crash or in a kindergarten, you know, for, uh, for extended number of hours, right? Uh, so that they can learn by themselves, etc. And you're not damaging your own career. You can, you can be back to the job market uh, without big impact right on, mm -hmm. on that so so i think that's that's uh i mean if it's 12 or 15 months it doesn't matter but it's it's, it's not three years right and it's not three months that's what i'm saying mm -hmm. then Atta, do you want to comment on that your ideal model no, i i think if we talk about the legal setup which evgeny is is commenting i think uh, you know 12 months i would feel if you know i should uh, go for one number, I think that's probably the optimal because it gives more flexibility. And still, again, eh, even the child is still one year old, it's, it's still a you know, little child, uh, but it's much better than uh, three, six months, uh, you know, or four months of what uh, Evgenie, Evgenie mentioned. So legally, you know, where you connect, of course, also a kind of uh, responsibility of the company to keep you know, the job uh, uh, for the mother or, you know, for the, for the parent. I think it's, it's a kind of optimal because you always need to see the two sides. Uh, 
it's employee side, but it's also employer side. And if it is beyond one year, it starts to be a kind of uh, very, uh, you know, difficult managed liability on the employer side, because you always need to think about solutions for this one year. If you are very happy with your employee and you want the person to come back, you search for the interim solution. If it is beyond a year, it starts to be unmanageable uh, and you need to go for different uh, solutions. For legally, I think 12 months is optimal. I fully agree with Evgeny that uh, uh, the, the setup where it's a kind of uh, fair, you know, for both parents, you know, to actively participate and to switch, you know, uh, uh, to be uh, on the parental leave. I think it's the most engaging uh, because there are always, you know, two parents. Uh, and I think uh, the, the system is fair if it is really involving and engaging both. We, in our company, we are very much supportive, uh, you know, to really motivate the parents to do that uh, because we believe it's good for the long-term happiness uh, uh, and the balance in the family where both parents are, you know, actively engaged in that. Uh, uh, Overall, I strongly encourage always every parent not to think uh, within any pattern because what might be good for me will not work for different family and different parents. So I always ask for respect and a kind of, uh, you know, acceptance that there are different solutions for everyone and really uh, to avoid any pressure any judgment because most of the decisions, unfortunately, still in these modern ages by the parents are done under some pressure, you know, that uh, I cannot go back because the child is uh, too young uh, uh, and, and all kinds of that. And listen, I always say, uh, and specifically I will talk about mothers because it's still in most of the situation, the pressure pressures uh, pressure is on the mother. If you feel fully okay that you will stay three, four, five years fully at home with your child and you are very happy about it, it's a great solution and you should do it and you should not bother about opinions that, you know, you are lazy or you don't contribute to family budgets, thousands of uh, labeling, you know, which is happening. If you are happy to return after six weeks, three months, and you have establishment at home, which allows for it, and you feel good about it, you know, do it. Because the most important for every child is if mother and father are happy and can do what they want. The biggest uh, limitation about all of this is the social pressure labeling judgments and that people do not feel free to decide for themselves and they make decisions for other people. I, I like your point, Renata. I think this is, we, we spoke about the legal setup, the company uh, setup businesses, the societal and peer pressure. But I think there is an important point about the internal uh, convictions of people and how they think, like, you know, of course they shaped uh, under the, influence of the society and the parents and like the environment you've been brought up etc what you see and the role models but uh you you can't believe how much pressure men also have on that side yeah. uh, and this pressure is very unique and different it's uh it's somehow that many many men not only in traditional cultures, but I still see in the, in the, in the Western societies, right? They are growing up with this notion that they're not capable of providing for the child when it's born. It's only the mother can give something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when my son was born, I had like zillions of debates. By the way, more with women than with men. Because men, they were saying, look, I, I have a child as well, so I'm capable of changing diapers and I can give everything, right? I, I, had, I had some um, stories of my friends when the mother had to stay in the hospital for way longer after the birth of the child and the child had to be carried home uh, and the father had to take care of everything. I mean, just 
make a formula in the bottle and the rest. Of, so for me, there's no difference in, in, in how the mothers and fathers take care. I have some families where fathers take way better care of their children than mothers, right? For various reasons, because they're both ambitiously building their careers, but just uh, the father is more mature. Probably he's, he's uh, older or he wanted the child a bit more or something, right? And, and uh, there's nothing that uh, the mother is doing that the father cannot do, mm. right? There's nothing except for breastfeeding, but breastfeeding, it can be easily replaceable by the formulas. They're quite good now. We can have a debate about whether breast milk is, is, is healthy and better. Yes, it's healthy and better, but it's not to the extreme situation that your child is damaged in any way if you replace it with formula, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say the, the number of debates I had with the women who believe that the, their men are not capable of taking care of child is unbelievable. And there were so many men who were like, and I was myself, I was like, okay, they, they, the child was going to be born. Where's the instruction how to operate it? Like, like you, you buy a laptop or a phone, right? So there is instruction. <laughs> so what do you do with that? And I was thinking that women are also born with this instruction. I, I think when I started this a bit more, both of us have some instincts, right? And like, we're kind of born with that. Um, and we have hormones kicking in in both parents uh, that help kind of feel affection to this uh, child and everything else. But what helped me was really spending time before the child is born um, on understanding the psychology, the, the development stages and everything else. So educating myself a little bit about this. So I felt less scared of doing that. And once you do this for a couple of days, you realize there's nothing difficult. It's, it's very easy, yeah. right? So it's not a problem at all and uh, but there is such a stigma that men believe they were forced to believe they cannot do this mm -hmm. and that's i think a, a, a often negle neglected factor of why fathers are not taking paternity leave just because they're afraid yeah yeah i'm so happy you say that because i think this is one of the biggest biases uh, and believe me when my first daughter was born I was scared like hell as well, you know? So I think both parents, they need to go through process of adjusting, learning, uh, you know, feeling comfortable with, with the child. And I fully agree that, you know, uh, uh, except of breastfeeding, which you said, both mothers and, and fathers, they can do everything equally. I was always very upset, uh, you know, when I heard, uh, these opinions like uh, it's the role of mother and, uh, you know, uh, comments of my friends like uh, from the fathers. Yes, I am involved and I help my, my partner, my wife to take care of almost like her kids. Eh? I said, help, guys, you know, these are your kids as well. You are not helping, you know, you need to uh, care about them as well. I think another crazy bias is also that, uh, um, you know, uh, men are there to financially take care about the family. And if you go for paternity leave, uh, parental leave, yeah, you know, gee, so who is bringing the income? And I think this is more coming, the, the pressure from the men on, on the guys who stay home, that, you know, you don't mind that you don't earn money and all that. And I think this is also like, if we talk about, you know, equal participation, you know, men should feel fine that for some time, you know, it's, it's a partner who is taking care of that because, you know, if you are together, it's always like, uh, there is the phase that I contribute and there is another phase where the second person contributes. So I, I am still experiencing, uh, a lot of judgment, you know, on, on the fathers who stay home that uh, they don't bring money, you know, to the family budgets for that time. Did you experience that pressure? So for me, there was an uh, interesting situation. We had, I mean, working consulting, you plan for different scenarios. So we had our kind of savings and everything else. And uh, um, I had a three months of almost three months of paid paternity leave. My wife was an entrepreneur and she had to stop her own business. So she was not making any money. Uh, and uh, then uh, Corona hit and I had to quit my job. And um, basically for nine months, I, would, I was out of the job market. 
So I was doing some freelance uh, stuff here and there, but I was also getting some unemployment benefits uh, here in Switzerland, which are quite generous. Um, and I think if, if, if I wasn't in this situation when I kind of had some savings and I, and I had a well-paid job, et cetera, I would probably have that pressure less from the outside, probably more from the inside, because this, that's how I was brought up. This, this inner voice that says, you are the breadwinner. This is your responsibility. You have to take care of that. Mm. Especially in the situation when your wife is not financially sustainable yet, because like she quit a corporate career and like is, is, is doing um, uh, kind of her own business, which is risky. It's not flying all the time. It's uh, this month is a lot of money. Next month there is zero. You know, lot, lots of instability and security. So, I think uh, this should be taught at school. You know, this this kind of financial planning for for these kind of situations, right? How do you do your savings for your pension? The same. How do you plan financially your parentalhood, right? So. If, if you if this is the age you want to have children, I mean, things can happen early or later, but you need to think at least have an idea about that. What's your financial plan? Do a simple Excel, right? Every every school kid in the, uh, like, I don't know, seven, eighth grader should be capable of doing a very basic calculation. What's the average salary you can expect? And like how much you need to save to afford one year of being on the job market or doing some part-time jobs, et cetera. So, that's, that's not a complicated thing, but we don't talk about this in schools. We don't have those uh, services. I mean, the, the government, it's very easy a calculator to put there. I mean, like we, we now, you work in the banking industry, right? You know that uh, now the state is doing a bit more to prevent people from making stupid financial decisions, like taking too much debt and everything else and they have with all this. But this is the same, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's another extreme situation where you need to educate people about the financial planning and material planning of your uh, parenthood, right? Of your uh, taking a parent, a paternity leave or maternity leave, et cetera. Um, this is number one. Number two, I think that um, uh, with a child coming in, of course your expenses grow. So, and, and it's, oh, it, I underestimated big time how much it will cost me to bring up a child, right? So it's not only that you have less income, it's also that your costs go up. You need a bigger apartment. That's what I realized, right? That, that was like, then all of a sudden you understand you're going to go crazy if it's 24 seven, you are with a baby, you need a babysitter. You need, I mean, especially now that we're detached from our parents and like grandmothers and grandfathers kind of take care of this. So you need to have a babysitter, which is another expense. You need to have some food and it, Thanks God if the kid is, if baby is healthy, but if something goes wrong, right, there's medical bills and everything else. And sometimes insurance doesn't cover and blah, blah, blah. So uh, you, you need to save for that, right? It's, 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 it's quite uh, to, to feel safe and feel comfortable, right? And people, people put aside money for cars, for apartments, for maybe for, for the college of the kids, but not for the birth of the child. And I think this is a big, big miss. And if we fix it, if we start like teaching this at school and, and giving people confidence, like they, they when they, they plan this as the part of their life, uh, they, they are ready for this from financial perspective as well. Thank you so much. Uh, if we now take a look at it from the employer's perspective, from, from the company side, you outlined what would be the ideal legal framework, what everyone would have you know, guaranteed how the companies should operate. Now we can talk about like how to make it more flexible so that people can choose. And that's probably what the companies can do. Like what the, what are the benefits or the different ways they can uh, support their employees uh, to make the parental leave conditions better, to make the coming back from the parental leave better. Um, so what can the companies do? Renata, can you, can you start? I think it's, it's a lot what the employer can do and uh, I think uh, there are many many you know advanced companies which uh, you know do a lot already for years I would say that uh, COVID you know brought a huge transformation into that at least if I look to the Czech and Slovak markets uh, I think it's a big help actually you know what what happened and what I mean with it uh, that before COVID there were still only a few companies which were more advanced on flexible way of working, allowing people to work from different locations, uh, 
not to come every day for eight hours uh, to the office. Uh, so, you know, working uh, for many months uh, fully online or in a hybrid way, you know, this has changed the whole scene. And uh, what it did, uh, it brought trust on the working uh, side. And I don't say that uh, the managers or the companies would not trust. Of course, uh, we don't want to generalize, but uh, the traditional view was, if you do not come every day to the office, if I don't see you, you know, behind your computer or elsewhere, you know, you don't work. Uh, and still there are some people who believe that, but, uh, you know, COVID brought this change because, you know, all the companies for a certain number of weeks or months or years, they work fully online and they are functioning. And they are in many cases functioning in more effective way. So uh, I think this is, you know, the flexibility, trusting, you know, the parents, uh, allowing for different setup, not controlling, you know, every minute, every hour, but really supporting I think this is uh, this is the best framework which the company uh, can organize. There are many other benefits, of course, like uh, you know, small kids uh, are very often ill. You know, if they enter, you know, the nurseries or kindergartens, it starts. And if you have two or three, it's a hell. You know, so also the flexibility of, you know, not being stressed as employer to hire, you know, the parents with young children, because, you know, in the past uh, they knew, gee, you know, I, if I can choose, I would probably go for people with no kids or with older kids, because uh, you don't have all these uh, uh, leaves, uh, uh, the sick leaves. So again, this flexi setup, you know, and uh, being uh, flexible, allow for different solutions. I think as uh, being a mother, but also as being a manager to many parents, this is the most appreciated, you know, that it's a flexible, individualized approach and that parents do not need to feel bad if they need to stay home with the kids, if they need to organize for certain logistics uh, that you allow for that. Many companies are organizing also nurseries or they are, you know, having as benefit like contribution for the nurseries. I think it is helping to solve the issue which Evgeny mentioned because private nurseries or private kindergarten are costly everywhere and not everyone can afford it. Not everyone can afford the babysitter. So again, you know, motivating employees to come faster or for, you know, more uh, hours, you know, with, with helping financially. I hear that this is also very uh, appreciated. What I have also seen like working very well in some of the companies is that if you have this setup of part-time jobs, uh, so that uh, actually, and it's not possible for all the roles, but for some of the roles it's possible is that actually you have two or three people who are working together for one role. And for example, let's take assistant. So uh, I have this setup that there are two assistants with a small kit and, you know, they substitute uh, each other and it works very well. So this is what uh, I would say most encouragements or benefits or the way what, uh, what you can do. I think it's also important that the leaders in the companies are a kind of role models. Uh, so I always talked about, you know, having kids and that... Uh, Sometimes it's very complex to combine it with the job. What are the challenges? Because if you talk about it as a leader, you show to people around you that you also struggle and it's, it's vulnerable uh, what you show. And it is encouraging people that uh, if they have the issue, you know, related to the family, they will not feel shy or they will not take it like they are failing from the job, approaching you talking about it. The last which I would mention what I have seen uh, with these part-time jobs, which, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, mostly, you know, women go for, uh, at certain moment, you need to almost push 
you know, these women to leave that setup. Uh, and what I mean with it is that, you know, I have seen so many loyal, hardworking women who were paid for a part-time job, but they were actually working full-time, you know, compensating from home. And when I challenge them, why do you continue to keep, you know, the, uh, the part-time job? They said it's more uh, convenient from the peer pressure uh, because it allows me uh, to leave at four if they know that I work part-time. Uh, so this is, again, like really supporting, mentoring, coaching parents that they should feel self-confident to be parents and working and protecting uh, almost like their rights not to be a kind of uh, giving up on uh, on certain topics. So, but, uh, you know, there are thousands of other things which can be mentioned, but uh, I'm curious what uh, Evgeny will mention. You've said a lot of this, like I, I would sign up under every word that you've said, but I think these, these practices make a lot of sense. Um, I, I want to take it probably a bit more granular perspective on the, if you break down all these things, what companies can do. Number one, if you look at the hiring, um, I, I think there's a lot of bias from the employers that if you hire a pregnant woman or a woman with a young child, she's not going to be a, a fully dedicated person. If we don't have this bias for men, right? But eventually it's, it's both of them taking care of the child and then should be kind of equally participating, et cetera. And, and in practice, it often happens, right? Also fathers have to take care of their children as well and take sick leave and whatever. So I think first is to really get the training of today managers, hiring managers on all these biases. Second observation, and I've seen that when I was in HR and I've seen that when I was a manager, mothers, they learn effectiveness and efficiency to a way better degree than just a regular employee. So they understand that there's still scope of work that needs to be done. They're afraid of these peer pressures and judgments and they want to do everything possible and possible to do this and they learn to multitask and like cut the, sorry for my friend, cut the crap and everything else and just focus on the, what needs to be done. And, and, and they indeed, and I've seen actually a fantastic turnarounds in careers of many people when, uh, women especially, when they uh, delivered babies and they, they became mothers, especially if mothers of couple children, all of a sudden they became way more effective and efficient and mature in, in the way they approach their relationship in the workspace. They, they treat their work, they build their boundaries and everything else, and, and they become way better employees. So I would say often you take a, a young mother and she will be a way more effective and, and a more valuable uh, employee. So there's a lot of bias in these completely ungrounded uh, biases. And I, I completely agree with you that probably I was lucky to work in the companies where FaceTime has never been uh, at the heart and center of it, right? But, um, uh, or I was working in a company where we had 80% of women, so everyone understood the issues and challenges. But if I think about outside of these multinational corporations, they think about their brand image. They want to attract the top talent. That's why they have to do this. Most mid-sized companies in the rest, they see it as a cost. So childcare, uh, flexible hours, all this stuff. This is a cost item to them. Right. So, and the majority of the workforce is not in the multinationals. They are in the mid-sized companies in most countries. So, uh, how do we help those companies? What they can do of all this menu of things that doesn't undermine their budget? This, this is, I think, uh, an interesting question to which I don't have an answer. To be honest, I've never worked in a mid-sized company, so I, it's difficult for me to kind of put that hat on. Um, second point I'd love to, to, to talk about is the facilitation of the return to work. And I think that it's not only about uh, parents who take parental leave, who, who have to have some probably gradual flexible schemes to get back to the workforce. It's the same with now we have a lot of people with burnouts. It's the same. You cannot expect the person to get back like this. You need to have those systems. 
And the beauty of this, if you think about all those cases where your employees might need to go on flexible hours for a couple of months, for a couple of weeks, for half a year, it doesn't matter. This is not only the parental case. It's health issues, it's uh, mental health issues, it's just fatigue or it's something else, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think companies by default should design their working processes, their approach to this, that any job should be able to be flexible. I mean, in consulting, it's easy. I mean, you can be stuffed out of the project and plugged into the, other, to the next project, like when you're back, it's, it's not a problem. But we also face the problem that employees want to work 50%. And with the clients, it's very difficult to say that, uh, you know, this consultant will only be four hours a day throughout the week or only Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday off. So that, that doesn't work. But we realize there are lots of other setups on, on, on there are lots of roles and jobs inside the company that could easily be done at, at this capacity, like business development, like internal projects, whatever. If you think about this, and probably human resources and, and business leaders should be thinking about that, configuring this, then it's not so difficult. It's, it's, it's just a little bit of effort to think about it, to kind of try it out, to pilot, you see that it's working. And uh, what it brings is the employee loyalty, right? Because they see that the company takes care of you. They, they, they feel comfortable. They feel safe. They're going to bring better results to you eventually. So those probably two points I would like to add uh, to what you said. And the third point is um, those companies that claim that they really want to advance the equality and everything else and so forth, they do usually things for their own employees, so it's, it's the maternity leave that they give, right? Uh, and not necessarily the paternity additional leave. So we have a lot of companies where there is a extra paid maternity leave and just one or two days for the father, five days maybe, right? Um, because yeah, kind of they think that if they give the paternity leave, it's gonna benefit the mother who is employee for another company. So let another company take care of that. Super weird logic. As if the father is not a parent and like does not deserve also the time with their uh, kids. I mean, we had those debates in some when I was playing some companies. Like, I could not believe I was hearing those thoughts from the business leaders. Unbelievable. So there's a lot to do, I think, on the changing the mindset and and openly challenging those things. And usually it's swept under the carpet and you know not not discussed openly, etc. So um, what we can do is is this and. The uh, interesting thing about the companies when they go to the market, when you go to the university campus, you really care about your image. You, you kind of position yourself as like, you know, we are equal opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Because this is where you meet directly mostly with other employers and you have to look competitive, right? But when you hire experienced hires, there is no common... Uh, job fair or something like this usually, right? So just the internet, LinkedIn advertisement of this job. So you don't have to put the same effort into creating uh, competitive advantages for the uh, employees with their five, seven, 10 years experience. That's exactly when they have uh, young children, right? So there's no kind of internal push, but employees think of this. They, they kind of, the candidates, they choose often the companies that offer more flexible uh, offers and everything else. And not all companies realize that. They realize they need to create something for graduates, but not necessarily for the experienced hires. And I think that's another thing that they can, it's, it's, it's just a mindset shift. Thank you so much for summing it up, uh, for adding some more points. Maybe just for you personally, what was the process of coming back to work and what would you change if there is something like that that you would change that you wish for yourself would, would be different? So as I said, I have two daughters. One is uh, 18. Uh, the second one is actually turning next week uh, 14. So it's some time ago. Uh, uh, and it, I, I had different approaches with, uh, with, uh, with both daughters. So with Anna, it was in 2003. And I was working as a CFO of a, a big uh, international company. I loved my job uh, and uh, I agreed with my boss that I will, uh, I will come back after three months uh, for the full time, which was uh, 
quite an adventure because it was not common at the time. But I felt very comfortable about that setup uh, because uh, I had a boss uh, who I trust a lot. He was for all the flexibility. So he told me, uh, I would love to have you back uh, because we need you. Uh, but I am very much, you know, for the flexible setup. So you don't have to be each day at the office. You can work from home. You can go for swimming with, uh, with your baby. I'm just interested in a good outcome of, uh, of your work. And I felt very good about it. And I had uh, great support of my uh, husband. Uh, and uh, he said, I will really engage. Uh, the advantage is that uh, he's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's having his own company. So very flexible how he can organize uh, you know, his agenda. And uh, next to that, uh, we hired babysitter who would be flexible uh, and help us with uh, some of the moments where we, we needed it. Uh, so it worked quite well till the moment then I got a different boss. You know, so this, this boss moved to a different country and I got a boss uh, uh, who did not have kids. So he, he did not have the empathy and uh, he wanted to have uh, the CFO next to him uh, on a daily basis. And he was a hardworking guy, uh, working long hours. Uh, and it was quite common that he would, uh, you know, organize the meeting at 6 p.m. And I was trying to tell him, this is not working for me. I can't do that because I have a small baby home and I don't want to stay so long at work. I don't want to work so many hours at the office. And if, if you will not allow me for different setup, I will need to leave. And I did because we did not find a setup. And it was a very difficult moment for me because for quite some months, I tried to somehow work it out because I loved my job. I did not want to leave the company, uh, but it was very frustrating. And there were moments that, uh, you know, I felt like I'm a bad mother. I am a bad wife. I am a bad daughter. I am a bad friend. Uh, and I felt I'm bad at work as well. Very tough. But then actually my husband helped me to make a decision uh, where he asked me a simple question. Why do you continue to stay in this setup if it is harming you so much as a person? So I quit and then I uh, stayed uh, home for some time. And then I joined the company, which again allowed for the flexible setup. So this was always a very critical point of discussion with every company, I was always very honest. I said, I have kids and the family is very important for me. I am a hard worker. I will always deliver great results, but then I need, uh, you know, respect for my family and flexibility. With a second daughter, she was born in 2008. So five years uh, after Anna, I deliberately uh, made a choice that I want to stay for a year home because I knew how stressful it has been for me with the first daughter. And I knew that this, it, it is the last child. We did not plan uh, for the third one. And I just wanted to enjoy it. I just wanted to create a very caring and comfortable environment at home for that. And uh, that's actually my advice, which I give... Uh, to uh, women who plan for the child and they hesitate about it and, and they feel like it's difficult to make choices between career and the child. Uh, and of course, every situation is different. So, you know, my situation does not need to work for everyone. I felt with the second child that a year was quite optimal time to spend at home. I did not feel that I would be losing anything from career point of view. And uh, I could quite well adjust going back after a year. It was not too short. It was not uh, too long. So my advice is always trust the kind of inner feeling uh, 
and uh, don't be afraid you know that uh, you need to sacrifice that it's one or either i think life is too long that to stay at home for some time for a year it goes like that it goes very fast you know and and then you come back and you again continue to work on your fantastic career and you can you can combine it quite well if you are aligned with your partner if you have uh, some other family members who are willing to to help you so there is always a way how you can do it uh, both ways so yeah that's a little bit my story how it worked for me on my side that was interesting because um i was in the same time coming back to the workplace and changing the job so after nine months of, of freelancing and um So it was a new company, different, most senior position, same type of kind of work. And uh, I think it was good because I had the transition period that was also part of my onboarding that like for a month and a half, I was just getting to know the company. So I was adjusting, not just jumping into the this uh, running wheel of you know daily business and everything else. Uh, so I think learning from that, I believe that most employees would benefit from this. If you take like an extended parental leave, sorry, expecting an employee to start day one, uh, the same speed and everything else and full responsibility is not a, a very bright idea, I think, for, for various reasons. People have to adjust their lives. So... For me, that was interesting, like, okay, before that, when I was having my own uh, consulting projects, like as a freelancer, I would be more in control of my time. So I know that, okay, uh, I can schedule something here and there and there and there. But all of a sudden, now I have to work nine to six and, and, and beyond that. And uh, I had to try it out, how it's going to work with my son. So if, if I spend nine to six working, And then at six till nine, I spend three hours with my son and then like I finish something. So I had to find a balance on both sides. How to organize my personal life and how do I reorganize my professional routine, right? To make it work and actually work beautifully, right? Eventually, but it took me some time to try out different things, et cetera. Um, then COVID of course was not helping because you work from home and then you have a baby running, entering your room and then, um, all those situations when they want to join a, a Zoom call and uh, wave hands at your colleagues and all those things. I, I Indeed, it took me like probably a month to, to, to really adapt. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of, it was good that uh, it was part of onboarding period as well so that I could adjust, try out different things and uh, find my own way of doing things. Um, so probably I'm not representative from that perspective, so I was lucky, but I, I, I believe that most uh, people would benefit from a similar setup that you have a smooth uh, getting back. And if your kids are older and you, you have to put them in the nursery or kindergarten, it doesn't work sometimes for the first time. You need to spend some gradually letting the child first, like for one hour there and being next room, right? And then and so on and so forth. It may take a week, it may take three, four weeks. So when people, when, when they come back, you need to make sure that like the first four to six weeks are a little bit flexible and uh, there's a ramp up period, yeah? So that's number one. Number two, I think it's the internal psychological um, work that has to happen. And um, I started working with a therapist just before that for, for different other topics, but it was helpful for me to discuss some of these things and challenges with my therapist. And what companies could do, they could offer that help. I know they, they offer coaching and, and therapy support. And I think this is one of the most beautiful things you can do because a lot of the challenges, they happen not on the outside, but in the inside. As executive coach myself, I, I, I know that most of these challenges are actually uh, internally Uh, induced challenges let's so not so much from the outside uh, of course there are situations like what you said like your boss changed and he was adamant about some things and uh, um, i don't want to challenge you but i also see that in many other cases people just are not are afraid to push back a bit right and, and, and be very firm uh, etc and like you have to learn to be different because it's not just you and you can sacrifice your time it's a child that that, that cannot be explained at the age of 
one year old, why you cannot feed him at six when he's hungry, for example, right? So this is uh, changing your own mindset and taking some external help for this, I believe is another key lesson uh, for me for coming back to the workspace. Um, <clears throat> and the third one I think is um, probably about your expectations uh, from how productive you're going to be and everything else, because we believe we come back and we take the volume of work on our shoulders, thinking that we're going to be like in before children's time, right? Like you're effective, you kind of can work late, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the, you, you cannot deliver the same uh, volumes of work right away. It's, it's going to take you time. And, but we, what we do is like, we take this volume of work, we say, okay, I am less productive now because my child needed some attention, something else. I missed one hour to take him to a doctor or something else. So you compensate it by working late when the child goes to bed. And then you get tired. And when you're tired, your child is not happy because you're not energetic there. Your boss is not happy. Yourself, you're not happy, etc. So I think adjusting that, uh, giving that adjustment to yourself that you're less productive for, for the some time after you're back and letting yourself and taking care of yourself is most important, right? Because you think, okay, there is a job it demands, there is a child that it demands something, and forget about yourself. But if you forget about yourself, you're not in the resourceful condition. If you're not taking care of your own energy, then you're not gonna do proper work effectively and you're not gonna give to your child what it, it needs. So I think third lesson, don't forget about yourself, your own energy and uh, your own kind of, you know, getting rest, taking care of yourself and things like this. Thank you both. Love your lessons learned. To finish off this podcast, I'd like to uh, ask you one last question, which hopefully uh, will be uplifting at the end of the podcast. What do you think about this claim? Women have to choose between career and having children. Is it possible to have both? I think it's nonsense. <laughs> and I think it's a little bit building on what I have said, you know, with, with sharing. Uh, I will actually answer with, uh, when I was often interviewed by media, you know, how I managed to combine my career with, uh, with family, I always answered with comment, go and uh, ask my husband, how does he manage to combine to have a successful business with being uh, being a father. I think it's it's just the most stupid claim and the most stupid question, which is creating a lot of biases and judgments. And yes, it's difficult sometimes. And of course, every parent has the moments like when the child is uh, ill and you have to deliver on some special project, you know. So of course, it's, it's difficult. It's exhausting. But I think it's the most rewarding uh, if you can uh, build your life where you have the precious family and then you have your fulfilling hobby or fulfilling career that uh, you just don't live uh, in, in one extreme. So uh, I think this fear of uh, missing out or pressure like you cannot have it all, I fully disagree. I think we are, you know, good examples with Evgeny that it's possible. And there are many families who are living it every day. And uh, it's exactly what Evgeny said. Uh, there are many barriers, but most of the barriers we create by ourselves, in our thinking, in our mindset. And uh, yeah, I would wish to every future parent thinking about these important questions that uh, it's the most rewarding and uh, they should never regret to to make the choice and they will always work it out as many other parents uh, did in the past. It's actually a pity we have to ask this question because I think that for many people, it is a real choice uh, either because they believe it is a real choice or it's, it is like it is, right? You, you sometimes are put by your company into this situation like you're forced to, uh, I, I've seen quite a lot of, um, when I just moved to Switzerland, I was surprised to see that assistant of our boss here was working part-time and she had to quit her job as the uh, executive in the hotel business just to take care of her children. It wasn't her choice. 
she was pushed to do this. Uh, so could have then been another solution? I'm pretty sure yes. Yes, we see businesses can flex and everything else, etc. But I think that um, we still have some miles to cover to get to the point when this question will not be faced by most women or men as well, right? So uh, I think we are on this journey, but we're not yet there. And um, kind of, I think the government, the society, the businesses, they all have to take their share, but also people themselves. Like, I mean, if they are agents of change, if they believe that this is not a real choice, always, you can always find another alternative and so on and so forth. I believe that could be a, the prerequisite for change and us getting to the situation, which is a way better. Thank you so much both for uh, being so open about this topic, for sharing your real experience, for sharing your opinions, uh, giving some really good tips and food for thought for, for our listeners, myself included. So I'm very privileged to be here with you. And I just wish you uh, a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much for your time and please keep in touch. Thank you for having me and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure and uh, wish you everyone best of luck. And that's a wrap. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, guest suggestions or feedback, shoot us an email to podcast at fampala.com. To learn more about our community, head over right now to Fampal at Instagram or Facebook and get involved. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode of On Air, a podcast by Fampal.